Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener. You'll have ad-free episodes and join us on our monthly Zoom calls with other podcast listeners and get to know the community at wearelatech.love. Linked in the show notes. You realize it's more than a job. You realize it's it's why you are here. You're here to make a difference on this planet. I'm Alex Bloomberg, host of the podcast Startup, and you're listening to We Are LA Tech. Hey, everyone. My name is Brian Nickerson. I'm guest hosting for Esprit Devora on We Are LA Tech. I'm really excited with our guest today, Robin Burrell. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Brian. Great to have you uh, here in our Santa Monica offices on a somewhat wintry day here, um, which winter in Santa Monica is really not that bad. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's not. But, you know, we're Californians, so it's like the end of the world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> As soon as it drops beneath like 65, people yeah, go running like, for the hills. What's happening? <laughs> um, so tell us a little bit more about Red Flight. Well, let's see. Uh, Red Flight has been in business now for four years. So we're new, but I think we finally have our sea legs. And we're a company that helps other brands and companies with their digital footprint. So that's across mobile or interactive experiences in the last couple of years in 360 VR and augmented reality. Wow. Is there a client that you can kind of point us to or is there any is there any specific work that that um, you're able to kind of call out or is that is that uh, confidential? Oh, no, totally. Uh, We have a couple of really great projects to uh, to boast about, I guess. um, Most recent and currently I'm working with the Mandela family in South Mm -hmm. Africa, where we also have an office. Red Flight is also located in Johannesburg. Oh, wow. And um where what the work that we do mainly in Johannesburg is on the social enterprise side. So really helping South African youth understand how to leverage emerging technology to mm. be able to compete in the economy for actually today and tomorrow for the future mm-hmm. of South Africa. So we do a lot of workshops um, and uh, we teach STEM and we actually teach the fundamentals of how to create VR and AR and product development as well as leadership and entrepreneurship. But in addition to the work we're doing in South Africa, Red Flight is also advising the Mandela family. This is their centennial year for in terms of um, the life of Nelson Mandela, were he still wow. alive, he would have been 100. Wow. So there's an, a big annual initiative to relive his legacy and make sure that we're still on the same path that he started when he was alive, which is enabling uh, empowerment for communities and justice and and all the principles of freedom. And so um, I think now more than ever, that's a very Im- important topic for more than just South Africa. <laughs> and so as advisor and through Red Flight, I'm helping them navigate all the ways that technology can be a part of reviving his memory and his mission and purpose. So mm. we're doing that, of course, through kind of the basics of what's the web the new kind of web experience for discovering what the Mandela family is up to in terms of um, all of, you know, all of those goals, but then also 
What does VR and AR look like when it also addresses the themes um, around the Mandela family? So we're mm. working on fun stuff like holographic technology and leadership programs that really have technology at its core. Mm-hmm. Um how to empower, again, the youth for tomorrow to be able to compete with developed countries that are very, Mm -hmm. very familiar with STEM and computer science. So lots of stuff. (laughs) I can go on and on, (laughs) lots of stuff. But it's a very exciting client project and passionate purpose of of ours. So um, we're excited for 2018. Yeah. Yeah. And you were saying um, as part of Africa Rising, uh, Nelson Mandela's grandchildren are a part of the organization? Yes. Ndaba Mandela and Kwaku Mandela. Mm -hmm. Um, Actually, Kwaku was here just last week, um, uh, kind of kicking off things with Charlize Theron at the Geffen. Mm. And they hosted a big event to kind of talk about how the Hollywood community can come together to make sure that um, in the future and in the present and the future, we're not perpetuating some of the injustices that we've seen in the past. So big conversation, big topics. And it's just the beginning on uh, working with the broader international community. So Robin, you've held roles at a variety of like big LA companies. Yeah. Um, I think of, right, you mentioned uh, Match.com. You mentioned uh, MySpace, uh, Sony, I think you said, Tinder, Amazon, Um, A number of companies, um, you know, some of those that were born here in L.A., some of them that are, you know, some of the largest companies in Los Angeles. But um, I mean, what has that been like? As you've seen, you know, your career has spanned some of the biggest companies in L.A. and in technology. And um, uh, like, what have you seen uh, in terms of the L.A. scene? Well, yeah, I've definitely seen it take shape um, in some interesting ways. I'm very excited to see where it goes from here because I still feel like L.A. has a long way to go in order to catch up to the Bay Area in terms of companies coming down here. Like, the, you know, obviously all the big companies have offices down here, but it's going to be great the more and more um, success stories and Cinderella stories that we see like Tinder, like being Mm -hmm. made in L.A. Um, but yeah, I was, I guess you could say my career was born and raised in like the big tech giants (laughs) (laughs) for better or for worse. It's been though an amazing boot camp. I mean, I feel as though I've, you know, what I've seen and what I've learned and the projects that I worked on, you know, are, are just, it's, it's just priceless Intel, I think, to bring to the brands that I work and and help as my clients and then the work I'm doing in South Africa, whether it's with, you know, corporate clients in South Africa or the kids in the workshops, all of that experience has really been great fodder for me. You know, fodder doesn't even begin to to touch on it, but it's been, you know, a great amount of um, experience that I think that I continuously bring to the table running my own company. It's kind of hard to, to get that out of your DNA. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Are there any, um, so there's a lot of folks who listen to the show who want to run their own company at some point in time. Um, is there anything, is there any experience um, through working for all of those big companies that stands out for you that was formative for your your choice to build your own company or has been helpful in terms of, uh, you know, creating success for yourself? Yes. And, you know, I that's a great question because the honest answer is that it's been, I would say probably the disappointment that I had working mm. at those corporations. Uh-huh. I mean, I had, I've made some of the best friends and best mentors I could ever ask for. And I wouldn't change a thing working for any single one of those companies. Um, but there were certain realizations that I had that are kind of endemic to um, 
technology that's nothing new, you know, just how sometimes women are marginalized a lot. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of people of color. Um, There's, you know, I don't have to deal with it yet, but there's ageism, you know, there's these aspects of working for these big giants that really disappointed me. And it's hard to change. You know, they're just so there's, there are these, you know, behemoth companies that were culture change like that and, and idea thought change takes a while. And so um, I think kind of seeing that and seeing how I wanted to have a better um, experience is what pushed me to run my own company. You know, some mm-hmm. specific examples are just, you know, just hearing conversations of engineers talking about, you know, women engineers mm-hmm. and the way they get treated in meetings and being mm-hmm. talked over or not listened to. And mansplaining mm-hmm. is just, it runs rampant. It still does. Like I haven't gotten away from it just because I have my own company, but it's, you know, it's really problematic in some of these large organizations that are dominated by, by men. Yeah. And the diversity issue is trying to get better, but the numbers really haven't really ticked up right. much. And so um, when you have that type of culture in these companies, it's hard to overlook and you yeah. feel it, you know, as a person of color, I felt it every day yeah. and I had to prove myself going into every meeting and I, you know, I'd walk into the meeting and they would assume I was the assistant or the marketer. And it's like, no, I'm actually the head of the division. <laughs> you know? And then, so, you know, um, it's just, you, you realize that if you want to have real change and you want to kind of run, really feel like you're running stuff. You got to just go out there and run stuff. Yeah. Go out there and do it. Yeah. yeah. In your work, are there places where you feel like, um, like this, like you need to go farther? Are there things you said you were really optimistic about 2018? Yeah. Um, tell us more maybe about, about that on the work side. Yeah. So, you know, I think that 2017 exhausted a lot of people, you know, mentally mm. and emotionally but we kicked off 2018 with the continuation of the Women's March yeah. and seeing a lot of activists around the world fight for truth. Mm-hmm. And so coming into 2018, I feel as though there's this kind of energetic momentum yeah. that is a little bit um, kind of uh, energizing. It's, 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 it's invigorating, I think, for a lot of people who felt very deflated by mm-hmm. 2017. Yeah. So that's what I'm excited for. I'm excited for that, that feeling of possibility that 2018 seems to have. Uh-huh. Um, you know, there's still a lot of things that we need to change in terms of the white workplace and gender equality and, um, you know, unconscious bias. Yeah. But I think we're on the right path to solving all of that. The Makers Conference that, um, you know, Oath would, just was behind a couple of weeks ago was also very much an empowering moment to see so many people kind of rally around mm. change here in America, but around the world. So, and, you know, I was just talking to Andaba Mandela just two days ago and we were kind of planning for the year ahead and it was after Black Panther, you know, Black Panther had just come out yeah. and he's just so excited to see people really like fired up about Africa again, you know, even those in the context of superheroes and action movies and everything. And, you know, obviously in, in Africa, it doesn't look like Black Panther, you know, people flying around saving the world that, that way. But it was just, you know, there's there's again, that energy is even behind some of these new movies that are coming out in the beginning of the year. Right. And so um, he's very excited and he's like, you know, we have to find a way to leverage this energy. People are really 
rallying around Black Panther as a, a movement, as a culture, as a feeling. Mm-hmm. And so what I'm excited for is to kind of be a part of, mm-hmm. you know, that 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 windstorm and mm-hmm. try and create products that align with that same energetic momentum, mm. people wanting to see change, people coming together. That's always been a part of who I am, but it's nice when you see others like, yeah, let's do this. Yeah. Yeah. What parts of that movement do you think need, need to go farther? Um, and, and right. That could be, that could be specific to the me too movement. It could be right. This sort of energetic, um, place, uh, that, that, that yeah. you're feeling. And I think the world is feeling hopefully more of the world is feeling. Yeah. Um, but like, wh- where does it need to go? Cause we've had this like amazing birth over the last year. Mm-hmm. Um, which in my mind, a lot of that is a, is one of the positives of the U- U.S. election, um, is is this like, hey, we actually like people are rising up and saying this is not okay, and we need to initiate change. Um, and certainly, a lot has happened. But where where do you think where do, where do things need to go? I think there's. I think it really helps when there's more um, content out there that continues the dialogue, mm. but in a way that really connects with people. You know, again, Black Panther was that. Yeah. It's this fictional world, uh, but it had real world messages that are very contemporary and relevant right now. And so it doesn't come at you with a heavy hand, but it comes at you in a way that is relatable and um, gets people to kind of open their eyes and awake to different ways that stories and storytelling, I should say, mm-hmm. can um, create impact and change. And so one of the projects that I'm working on and have been working on uh, over the past year, it won first place in the National Association of Broadcasters Future Award uh, for innovation. It was the Pilot Innovation Award that went towards our project called In Your Shoes. And it's a project that I developed with Trina Dasgupta. She's also very active in uh, the space of leadership and change. She's on the board of Girls Who Code. And she's been active in South Africa where she lived. She's amazing. And so together we came up with this concept to create a 360 VR experience that helps one another who are on two different sides of a major issue, say like gun control or immigration, really kind of go into one another's shoes through 360 VR and find a way to heal the difference and the divide that is mm. really coursing through the U.S. right now. And this was the project that ended up winning NAB Futures First Place Award. But more than that, it really gave us confidence that this is the type of content that is wanted and needed. And really, this is the best time to have those type of narratives, not only in VR and 360, but broadcast. What In Your Shoes is, is also a broadcast series Mm. that happens to have a VR and 360 component to allow the two individuals on two sides of each issue kind of come together and see what it's like in each other's shoes. Mm. So, for example, it will be the police officer who's working in a community, in an urban community, and then the other side is uh, a black family that feels disenfranchised from law enforcement or mm-hmm. they experienced, a, you know, either uh, a, an unfair killing or they experienced some other form of injustice through the through, the, uh, you know, the judicial system. But it helps the two kind of come together through resolution. And so that's an example of a project that I'm working on that I think embodies the need for change in the type mm-hmm. of stories that are being told. 
That's incredible. Yeah. Cause, cause, um, usually (laughs) it's hard to generalize in these things, but usually it's a lack of understanding and a lack of awareness. And usually it's actually a lack of communication, Mm -hmm. uh, that drives so many of these things, right. When, um, and it's like assumptions that get put down on both sides, right. If I think of, uh, you know, a, a community and a police officer and things that like, it's, they're not talking to each other. And that's a big source of that divide. Um, and, and, you know, some of the downside, I think of social media, I usually think of the upside of social media, but some of the downside is like all these negative voices can also get amplified. Um, the positives can get amplified, but the negatives can also get amplified. Absolutely. The hive mind is in full effect on social. Yeah. I mean, the algorithms are built that way. Yeah. 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 Um, so is there something unique about, uh, like the AR or VR experience or AI experience? Wait, not AI. <laughs> no, AI too. AI too. AI yeah. too. AI yeah. is really becoming yeah. another means of connecting people to yeah. content, stories, uh, other otherness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So AI is also part of it. Yeah. Is that medium unique in terms of bringing about some of this change in the world? Or is it like, like, is there something about that medium that can help people connect to stories differently? I, I think um, so. The answer is yes, but I think that that technology is much is very similar to I think um, weapons like guns. In the wrong hands, they can be deadly. Yeah. Right? I mean, you can have a gun sit around for a hundred years and it'll never kill someone. Someone comes around and decides to use it to hurt another. It's a very easy thing to do. And so I think that technology is the same uh, as is you know AR VR you know, AI, I think you can use VR and AR as a means to kind of check out like another mm-hmm. extension of video games or a fantasy world where you're mm-hmm. not really connected to anything except for your experience and not wanting anything to kind of challenge and uproot your beliefs. Right. And that's okay. I mean, that's the origin of film and TV and, you know, American pastimes. But to answer your question, I do think that in the right context and used in the right way, it can be extremely eye-opening and life-changing if you choose kind of the right path to take. Um, so, you know, it's, it, I think it's just like anything. And I think it's, I think that's where it shares its DNA with television. You mm-hmm. can turn on like boob tube TV and just zone out on some silly mindless comedy and not, mm-hmm. you know, get woke. Or you can turn on really cerebral television <laughs> and find a way to see the world differently. Right. How, um, I mean, is that, I, I love that. I like, but I feel like the water cooler conversations are still generally around like boob tube TV. Oh yeah. And that's fine. I mean, I think about uh, all the great conversations and friendships I've made in connecting around, <laughs> yeah. you know, a show that was a suspension of belief, you know, whether it's Westworld or Seinfeld, we always have these great conversations about last night's episode. Uh, so I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think it's all about balance. I think it's about balance and choosing the right projects that you work on, being mindful in the people in the way that you treat one another, being respectful, focusing on equality. Um, you know, I think I think it, this is just really the time where we need to kind of grow up as a species. Yeah. And we can still have fun and play and check out and boob tube it all we want. <laughs> but we also need to evolve a bit and not, yeah. you know, not to get all esoteric and spiritual. But I think that as technology evolves, we also have to evolve with it. And yeah. not just become, you know, kind of like a dumb vessel that technology right. works through. 
What's the, is Wally the Pixar movie where everyone's like just looking down yeah. at their phones? Like that it basically is pretty, like, it's kind of what is happening right now. Yeah, no, it, it is. It is. Um, you know, I saw though a, a really interesting, um, it was a meme or a post or something and it was showing like 1940 versus today and everyone on the trains and in the streets, <laughs> they were looking at newspapers and they weren't looking up. They still weren't yeah. interacting. They were just flipping through newspapers because that yeah. was the form of communication then. And, you know, there were the newspaper boys on the street. So everyone had reading material and no one was communicating. And now here we are in 2018. It's the same. It's just like the platform is different. So, right. you know, the point was like nothing has really changed. Humans still kind of want to check out and be distracted by something. It's just the medium has changed. So. That's so good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Um, so how how do you get connected? I mean, uh, you know, the Mandela family, um, obviously, you know, amazing legacy, um, one, you know, history of changing the world. Um, like, how do you, how, how are you as a, you know, entrepreneur um, and as a person in the world, like, how do you connect? How do you start making these connections and build well, leading change? You know, I will say if I could go back to where I really think the genesis of how this happened yeah. began, it was with an idea. I had started my company. I was doing it for about a year and things were fine. But um, I, I decided that I wanted to work on really meaningful projects and I wanted to work with really meaningful, smart people that were conscious of the ills of the world and wanted to use and leverage technology to change it and make it better. Mm. I didn't know how I didn't really have any relationships that I knew of that would facilitate that vision. And I wasn't working on any projects that were even remotely close to international amnesty or social justice or social enterprise or any of that stuff. And so um, it just really kind of started with a vision of what I wanted to be working on and I think once I focused on that, I started to see opportunities and see people to slowly connect the dots. And I never really saw past the first person like, oh, I know if I talk to this person, I'll get here. Mm -hmm. It was kind of just being mindful. It was like kind mm -hmm. of setting my mind as to what I wanted. Mm -hmm. And then that started to take shape. Yeah. And uh, and then the actual physical action where I think that happened was I was invited to South Africa. Uh by uh, Standard Bank and Oracle, and uh, and they had invited me to do a series of lectures and consulting. Like it was like this whirlwind week of lectures, consulting, and a workshop for kids in STEM and VR and robotics. Uh, actually, it wasn't robotics at the time, but it was like a STEM workshop and leadership and entrepreneurship. And when I was there, the uh, I believe it was one of the uh, representatives for the Mandela family had seen me on the news or they had saw me in a post. They saw me somehow through publicity of the work that I was doing and they reached out to me. Oh, wow. And they asked if I would come and visit Nelson Mandela's hometown of Kunu, which is in the Eastern Cape of South Africa, about two hours by plane south of Johannesburg. Mm. If I would return to South Africa and host a workshop for girls there. And it's a, it's still very much an impoverished um, part of the country mm -hmm. and not a lot of resources. It's definitely unlike anything that we really are used to here um, in a place like California. Sure. Yeah. And so um, they invited me and I did this STEM workshop with 75 girls and 
it was amazing. It was, I mean, it was challenging at times because Wi-Fi went out. We actually got the Wi-Fi stolen halfway through the workshop. Like someone actually pulled up the cables in the middle of the night to steal the Wi-Fi. And <laughs> oh so we gosh. had to do the rest of the workshop offline and quickly pivot. But it was it was life changing. And uh, the Mandela family asked if then I would be it just started to then snowball. They're like, will you be an advisor? Will you be our director of technology? Will you help us with the centennial? And I was like, yes, yes, yes. (laughs) And so here I am doing more than I could probably handle with them. But it's it's all the work that I wanted to to be doing all this time. And you know, I balance it with the partners and the clients I still have here in Los Angeles, uh, which is also exciting. But really, the work that I'm doing in South Africa is the passionate purpose yeah. side of Red Flight. Wow. So do you spend a lot of time in South Africa now? Um, I I don't I do have an office there and I have someone running it. Yeah. Um, and I go there, I'd say about maybe twice a year. Mm-hmm. Um, this is still new. So I went there twice last year and I have a plan, a trip plan for to go to Ghana actually in May and then go through South Africa. So I probably have a couple of trips coming up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, um, uh, so teaching the STEM class and for folks who don't know STEM, do you want to just spell that out just really quickly? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Um, oh gosh, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. If I'm wrong, forgive me. <laughs> I'm on the spot, but uh, I think that I do believe that. And then sometimes you see it, uh, STEAM mm. um, to include a little bit more of the arts that's involved uh. in STEM. Um, so, but that I think to lay folks, that's just coding, programming, engineering. Yeah. It's the girls who code stuff. It's um, you know how everything runs on our devices, and STEM is just the you know the the acronym for catching catching all of that uh, uh, programming language stuff <laughs> for most yeah. people. Yeah, to, to put it very simply. And so, what was the what what was the impact? I mean, your your eyes just lit up as you were talking about you know teaching that class and with with all the young women in it. What, what was the impact that you saw or felt from it? Well, you know, I think <clears throat> it really was just. I think it's. I think most of us get really excited and feel good when we see change that we've made. You know, whether it's mm. a parent making our child smile or whether it's making our boss happy because we nailed it in a meeting, whether it's, you know, finishing a really good workout in the gym and everyone's like, yeah, man, you nailed, you nailed those burpees. Mm. I think that we all feel really good when we can succeed in either making ourselves feel better about the work that we're doing or making ourselves feel better because we're changing lives. And Mm. to do that work in South Africa, I really got to see instantly how we were changing lives. I mean, girls were dancing. It's just such a vibrant culture, one. I mean, they just just blow Americans away (laughs) in terms of celebrating life. But, you know, they were dancing at the end. They were singing. They were chanting our names. They were adding us on Instagram and WhatsApp and crying and thanking us. And then all these letters poured in afterwards, like you've given me confidence to be able to believe I can do anything. And I was having trouble in my coding class, but you guys made it seem just so, you know, approachable or made it seem easier for us. And, you know, we just, we just felt like, gosh, this work that we're doing, it's actually changing lives. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also even the teachers were like, oh, you can't imagine what you've done for the students. And now we're taking some of what you taught us and are applying it in the classrooms. And so, you know, we we know that the work we do over there is important. And sometimes, 
you know, with regular clients, you know, here in the States, it sometimes it can feel like a job, which is okay. You know, when you run your own company, some clients do feel like a job. But when you're working, I think, with young people, mm. you realize it's more than a job. You uh-huh. realize it's it's why you are are here. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's why you're here. You're here to make a difference on this planet. And sometimes that can come through parenting. Sometimes that can come through all sorts of different things. But yeah. um, this is for us, it's, it's been how we really feel proud of the work that we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And are you a parent yourself? No, I'm not. You're- well, I'm, I don't know if you can consider May May. My cat, <laughs> my child. She acts like a child sometimes. So sometimes I feel like a parent, but no, I am not yeah. yet. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> not yet. Yeah. yeah. You, the way you spoke about it sound, almost sounded like you already were. Well, well, yeah, I, have a, lot of, yeah. I have a lot of friends that are parents. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, on that note, Robin, uh, this has been a fantastic conversation. Really appreciate you being on the show. Thanks, Brian. Um, and uh, yeah, we, we uh, unfortunately have to have to call it a day. Um, but, uh, we've been speaking with Robin Burrell. She's a chief product officer of Red Flight, uh, and also an advisor for Africa Rising, um, and, uh, keep on inspiring the world. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to be here. Thank you. And, uh, Robin, as we close the show, how can people find you if they want to find you online? Um, where would they, where would they go? Sure. So there's a couple of ways you can go. If you're just looking for me, uh, dot com. R-O-B-I-N-N-E-B-U-R-R-E-L-L.com or you can go to redflightmobile.com and you can also follow me at Robin B, first name, last initial on Twitter or Instagram. And that's uh, R-O-B-I-N-N-E? Yes, yes. R-O-B-I-N-N-E-B. I I think I'm one of the only (coughs) Robins uh, that are Googleable with R O B I N N E, except for an actress who I actually like a lot. But so it's either me or the actress. <laughs> so it's kind of easy to find. <laughs> Amazing. Well, Robin, you've been a great guest and uh, thank you so much. Thank you again, Brian. Yes, you can now get your We Are LA Tech tea. You've all been asking for it. Just go to wearelatech.com slash shop to be a part of the movement to make Los Angeles the top city in the world for tech. Yes, we are number three. Let's get it to number one. Wearelatech.com slash shop represent. Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener at wearelatech.love. Linked in the show notes.